Hey, hey, what's up, party people? This is Ian Lenhart coming at you from Santa Monica, California, just letting you know that it is a damn good day to have a damn good day. And the quick message for the day is to get creative when it comes to your outreach to new people. You see, most people, when they try to reach out to somebody, they might hit them up on one platform, maybe a cold email, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, you name it. But there are so many creative ways that you can get in touch with almost anybody in this world. Obviously, first you have social media. You can hit them up on LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, you name it. And typically, social media profiles where there's less engagement, less followers tend to be better because you have more of an opportunity to kind of slide into that DM. Another method is the old school card writing. I mean, if you really want to get in touch with someone and you write them a handwritten card shipped to their office, you better believe that's going to give you a very high chance of at least getting some sort of response. Another cool method is actually being at the event or the place where that person or dream guest would possibly be. You know, ideally you could show up or get a ticket to the conference that they are a speaker at or somewhere inside of that scope. The idea here though is to get creative. If you want to get that dream job, make sure you reach out to the CEO of the company and let them know why you can bring value to them. Don't just send in a resume like everyone else. Make yourself stand out. And the best part about getting creative when it comes to your outreach, you just never know what's going to come back. It's like throwing the fishing line out. If you get enough good fishing lines out and you start patrolling down with your boat, you never know what type of tuna are going to bite. But you got to put lines out if you're ever going to get those connections and build that network. Now let's talk about our incredible guest for today that I'm so excited to introduce you to. Sarah Boyd is the founder and creative force behind Simply a collective with one goal in mind, connecting. Simply has many different divisions from hosting live events, selling online courses, as well as running a comprehensive influencer marketing agency. Her clients include Alessandra Ambrosio, Jamie Chung, Olivia Colpo, Julianne Hugh, Lauren Bushnell, and many more who look to Sarah to help them capitalize on their influential status in the entertainment industry in order to make their mark on the blogosphere. On top of this, Sarah is a fashion and beauty contributor for Forbes, and Sarah co-founded the Mom and Babes Box with partner Jenna Kramer, which is a quarterly subscription box filled with six-plus full-size products for moms and their babes. What I loved about Sarah is she's just so normal and cool, right? Like, when you look at Sarah, you're like, how? How does somebody build such an incredible business, have such an amazing client list? When you talk to her, you're like, wow, like I can do this too. She's so down to earth. She's so creative. And more so than that, she's just a hustler and a go-getter. I mean, when you hear what's going to go down in this podcast, you're just like, well, damn. Like she grinded and she got creative, similar to getting creative with your outreach. So I'm really excited for you guys to listen to this episode. On this episode, we discuss how to bootstrap a business as stress-free as possible, how to find mentors when you're just getting started, and a guide to learning the ins and outs of starting a new business. As always, you can watch this podcast with Sarah and I live on YouTube. And without further ado, episode 97 with Sarah Boyd. Let's jump into it. We're live. Sarah Boyd is in the building. She's crushing quarantine. I'm so grateful you're here. How are you? I'm doing all right. How are you? Week nine. Week nine. I know it's flying by. Some of the most productive times I've I've ever had, though. You know, it's like you got all this time. What are you doing with it? Yeah. 
I haven't felt more focused in my life because all the busyness is just peeled away. It's so interesting. It's like certain people are just taking advantage of this time and just trying to, to leverage it and learn something from it. Obviously, it's terrible, right? Like people are dying. Viruses aren't cool at all. And there's obviously the scary threat, but there's threats all the time to humanity and we need to do our best to fight through the adversity. Do you feel exactly. like quarantine's kind of helped your business or how has you, have, have you been affected just throughout this whole time? You know, the business, obviously the event side of the business is no longer um, for the unforeseeable future. Um, but the influencer marketing side, you know, the brands were a little bit hesitant. Of course, like the first weeks, to the first month, it was like, what's going on? We're pausing everything. We're canceling. Like, you know, no one knows what is going on in the world. So the first month was a little shaky. Um, but now we're seeing a lot of a lot more confidence in the brands. Um, campaigns are starting again. They're interested in like resigning and starting new campaigns. So I've seen, you know, the first month was shaky, but now that we're in the second and third month, it's definitely coming back. You know, one thing that I am just truly admire about you and all the different articles I've read and the research I've done is, first of all, congratulations on everything you've done with Simply. It's just simply amazing. I'm sure you've said that so many times. It's just, it's a great brand and and you're kind of like, you know, the godmother of blogging. I mean, you've been doing it a long time. Like, can, can you tell me about when kind of the whole idea of Simply started and when you kind of started just putting out content? Yeah. So we, so before I started Simply, I was doing fashion PR. So I did that for about 10 years. Um, So this is before blogging even existed. Um, So I did that for about 10 years, met a lot of celebrities and, you know, the starting of the bloggers when that whole world started, lots of brands. So I kind of was, it was my time of building my contacts and Um, after 10 years of that, I was just kind of done and I felt like I wasn't giving back to the world in any way. So I wanted to create a platform where I was, you know, connecting people, educating people and inspiring people. So I quit my job. I gave myself three months to plan our first Simply conference and I had zero event planning skills. All I had was really good relationships. I was the nice girl for 10 years in PR and made a lot of good relationships and people kind of like owed me for being good to them over the 10 years. So I kind of pulled all those favors um, and created our first conference. And that was with the OG bloggers with like, you know, Ami Song and Peace Love Shay and all of these girls that are like now the ones with millions of followers, but they were the ones that everyone was like, what's a blogger? What is this? So it was in the very, very beginning of the blogging days. And um, so, yeah, so we did our first conference. That was probably nine years ago now. And from there, we just continued to expand to different cities, different countries. And it was something that people wanted, you know, like they, people want a community. They want kindness. They want to be connected. But a lot of people don't have that one person that kind of brings them into the industry or gives them that handshake that they need. Um, so that's what I wanted to create and build when I started simply. That's so cool. I I really feel like I might be on like chapter three compared to your chapter 15, 
because <laughs> I feel like I do a lot of the similar stuff. Like I'm just focused on building relationships, helping people, connecting humans. And like for you, you're like, I was the nice girl for 10 years. I built these relationships and I put in the groundwork and I, and I, and I hustled my face off for a long period of time. And finally I built, you know, skin in the game for people to take me seriously. And then you yeah. have this event, the event's awesome. All these influencers and, and humans start meeting each other. You're the connector, you're the glue mm-hmm. and being, being that glue has some serious value. And now all of a sudden you're the source of truth. People trust you. People see you as that, as that influence, but it didn't happen overnight. I mean, there was a decade of work that went into social life before it became what it is. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah, it was a decade of PR and almost a decade of simply um, doing these events. And, you know, in the beginning, no brands wanted to come on and sponsor it. They're like, what is this? You're a joke. You know, not even not saying that, but like (laughs) you have to prove yourself. So it took a lot of events to finally get that one big sponsor. And then we took that sponsor and showed it to other brands and it's, everyone just copies each other, honestly. And it's like, oh, if that brand did it, then I'll sign on. Or if that influencer did it, then I'll do it. So you just have to get those initial anchor brands or anchor speakers and everything else slowly starts to fall in place. But again, it is, it's perseverance, it's hustle, it's, uh, your connections, it's, it's the drive inside of you to keep going after you hear no a thousand times, which I think my PR career helped me in that because I heard no constantly. Mm-hmm. It's, it's having that drive to keep going. And it's always like right before you're about to quit and give up. That's when something you have a breakthrough. So- yeah, that's amazing. So, so the tip of the day right there is everybody just stay on that line of just about to quit and your yeah. whole dreams will come to you. No, just kidding. But yeah. I'm, I'm, when it comes to the actual blogging piece, were you the one pulling up WordPress and just straight up busting out blogs or how did that work out? Like, did you hire a team earlier in your career? Like, tell me about that. So simply had a blog. So our blog was really focused on I'm, I'm not the blogger. I, I want to be behind the scenes. So I would like to showcase the really amazing stylist or the really amazing blogger or the entrepreneur. So that's what the Simply blog was, showcasing these really cool people that were starting trends in the industry. Mm-hmm. So that was the focus of our blog. But yeah, I, I know a little bit about WordPress. Um, and then what started happening is a lot of these celebrity talent that I was working with in PR started coming to me saying like, hey, I've got a million followers on Instagram. Is that something like, should I build a blog? Can you help me and advise me on how to navigate this space? So I'm like, sure, yeah, I'll help you. I'll give you my advice. And you know, when it came time to put the contact information up, I'm like, well, they can't contact you. You're this big celebrity. Why don't you just put my name in and I'll help with partnerships? Again, my background is in PR. I'm not an agent, but you know, it's the same kind of skills. So that started probably eight years ago, seven years ago. And um, our celebrity roster started growing and growing to about 15 different celebrities that we would help uh, manage in the digital space. So their digital partnerships, we'd advise on their blog or their website, um, their social channels. And, and that really became a larger part of Simply than our conferences. Um, and that is what I think led to our acquisition. That was the most valuable part of our business. Yeah, that's so interesting. We just had a uh, an MMA uh, sports agent on the show. Mm-hmm. And I feel like there's a lot of similarities sort of between what you're doing, uh, what they're doing, and what you're doing, because it's like, 
these MMA agents are literally managing, you know, almost every aspect, the contracts and the negotiations, the behind the scenes, the building of the brands of these people. So you're kind of like an agent for these huge influencers. And I just think that's so unique, you know, like to be able to go into that story and be able to offer the insight and be able to fill in the gaps that they may be missing. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of them liked working with me because you are the front face in the industry for them. And I am like approachable. (laughs) I understand, (laughs) you know, I understand the brand side. I understand the celebrity side. So I am that good go-between and I'm a Mm -hmm. good face for them in the industry. Um, I'm not scary. Like some agents out there, you know, we all want to work together. The influencer wants to have a great partnership. The brand wants a great partnership. And I, I'm kind of the in-between person to make that happen in a successful way. So both sides are happy. So, Amazing. Oh, yeah. That's it's, interesting. So if, it, I'm, I'm curious about the actual like flow. So you, you start doing this influencer side, all of a sudden you start onboarding maybe one, two or three of these, you know, celebrity figures that you're now running their blogs and helping them out and just building their brands all of a sudden you're getting all these emails, you know, you're getting all this inbound interest. I'm assuming brands are, are looking for sponsored posts. They're looking for uh, different things of leverage. What's going through your brain during that first like three months when you transition into kind of taking in all that inbound? Well, it was also in the rise of blogging. So <laughs> there was a lot of interest and it was, you know, what I did was I asked a lot of friends in the industry advice I talked to agents and managers and publicists and brands. I would just get on the phone with everyone that I could so I could learn like how to price them and how to position these, you know, partnerships and um, just really educated myself. So once these um, different proposals and, and opportunities started coming in, I was educated on, you know, how to, how to put them in place and how to um, make it the best for our talent. So um, I remember, you know, it started out with smaller campaigns. And then I remember there was this one, it was like, you know, a six figure campaign. And I was like, whoa, this is a real thing. This is a real industry. And this was, you know, in the very beginning, like I said. So um, it just started growing from there. And I hired a couple of staff and they started helping and I trained them. So um, it was really just a lot of education and a lot of talking and a lot of meetings and phone calls and just learning what's out there in the industry. And you'd be surprised if you talk to a lot of people, you can kind of put the whole puzzle together. Um, just that's information. That's so true. I mean, anybody can walk into any industry and if they do enough calls and they put in enough hours, they realize the trends, they realize how people talk, they realize yeah. the common denominator. And if you can do that enough, you can start scaling. Now, once you start building and you get all of these amazing influencers together, do you find that as you know, social light builds and, and your credibility builds that you're able to do more unique deals and like factor in multiple different influencers into one roof kind of so that you can do like some epic, you know, seven figure <laughs> crazy deals? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I think so three years ago, we were acquired by Socialite. So simply was now part of socialite so within socialite we now have a full 360 uh, approach so brands can come to us and we can cast their entire influencer campaign with two influencers to a thousand um we can do the amplification behind it on social we can 
you know, we can, we have a studio service so we can offer studio, you know, where the influencer wears the brand or shoots content. Um, and we have the experiential arm, which was simply events. So now we can package anything a brand wants in influencer marketing, or if they just come to us for one of our influencers, a lot of times it's, for instance, say like a mommy influencer that, you know, is a family. And we're like, Hey, why don't we do it with 10 influencers that are moms? It has more of an impact. They can all, you know, either do it together. We our girl gang, our mommy gang, girl gang, package them together for a larger campaign, or, you know, it can all be separate, but casted together through socialites. So, um, with that acquisition, it, it really helped us, um, sell in all of our services together or, um, you know, our, our talent sells the other talent for larger campaigns in a way. Was that company called Nylon that acquired you? Yeah, it's a little confusing. So Nylon Media, you know, Nylon Magazine. Yeah, they're huge. Massive. Yeah. So the, the parent company is Nylon. Nylon acquired Socialite maybe three years and then Socialite acquired us. So we're all under the Nylon umbrella, but Nylon just sold to Bustle. <laughs> so it's like really confusing. Right now it's, it's um, Socialite and Simply and Nylon International. The U.S. Nylon is now part of Bustle. So when you built, when you started this organization, did you look at it as, as a type of business that would one day be open to being acquired or like, how did that, how are you thinking about that? Cause that must've been like a crazy rush to, to go through that process with, you know, basically your baby, right? Like you've built this yeah. thing for eight to nine years. Now people want to buy it. Can you talk to us? Like what's going through your brain when they even hit you up? Like, Oh, BT dubs, we want to offer you X. And you're like, oh snap, this is real. <laughs> um, I mean, to be honest, from the beginning, no, I wasn't thinking about an acquisition. I thought that was, you know, for these massive companies with, you know, Wharton grads. And I wasn't that. I went to fashion school. I was, you know, I didn't raise any money for the company and it was bootstrapped. So for me, I just wanted to build the best company and I wanted to live my passion. And, um, and you know, once I had a baby, that's kind of when everything changed for me. So this mm. was five years into the business. I got pregnant and I was like, how is this going to work? Me working 24 hours a day, seven days a week, it's not going to work this way anymore. And I've kind of like pulled all my favors. I've I've maxed out to all my like freebies that I could get. I need to take the company to the next level. So I remember this one day I was walking my like eight week old baby. And I, again, it's kind of like quarantine where you're slowing down, you get to think you're off the hamster wheel. And I kept thinking, and I was like, I think I need to sell my business or get acquired or, or have a larger backing behind me. So I went home that day and I emailed five potential companies that I thought could be a good fit and not thinking that anyone would even respond to me. And the next morning I woke up and all five had responded and they're like, great, send me your deck, send me all your financials. And I'm like, hold please. I have no idea what's going on right now. So I had to go hire someone again. I had to go do the research talk to people, hire someone that is an expert in that field because I had zero idea, um, you know, how to sell a business and, um, took about a week to get all of those materials together and the right people on the bus. And, um, out of those five, I ended up getting two offers. So, um, 
a year later, my business was sold and it was, it was actually, it, it was bittersweet because it is your baby. Um, but all of these pressures were lifted off of me. So they had an accounting team, an HR team. I was on salary at a 401k, you know, all of these things that are amazing about having, you know, a steady job as opposed mm. to an entrepreneur. Um, so those things were incredible. And the company that did acquire me, you know, they bought me and they wanted me to still run free and do what I love to do and what I was really good at. So I wanted to make sure that that was a company um, that was a good fit for me personally, because if I was stuck in a cubicle all day and, and not being able to do what I loved, they wouldn't have gotten the value out of me that they were buying. So interesting. I, I love that. I mean, your story is so genuine because like you said, you didn't come from like a master business school. I mean, you are just the, the inside of the house hustler, right? Like everybody has the same resources that you do. Yeah. And you're one of the very, very few that accomplishes what all these online marketers teach, right? Like the idea of building out this online brand, this online business, working for yourself, being the entrepreneur. It's so sexy. It's so uh, like cool to, to look for, but to get there, oh my gosh, you got to move boulders. You got to take the ring to Mordor and drop it. I mean, it, life just gets so tough. So it, it, it's cool because you make it seem sort of simple. You're like, yeah, obviously there was Roblox, but you make it seem simple. But every day you're compounding your work to get to where you're at. Can you oh talk yeah, it was a hustle every day. And I do, I do that all the time. I make, oh, it's so easy. It's so simple. It's, it's not, that's just my mindset. And I honestly believe mindset is everything. And if you believe this is a difficult, really hard task, it's going to be. And if you believe I can do this, I can get this client, I can get this brand. I put it on my little vision board that I have posted up on my wall and I go for it every single day. So it's honestly, mindset is 99% of everything and having goals. That honestly are the two, those are the two things that I really attribute a lot to. That's, that's so true because you transform into the person. And then once you're there, you're like, oh, snap, I'm that person. And then you almost have to look in the mirror like, damn, girl, like you just transformed. Yeah, very true. It's interesting because I love the phrase like not fake it till you make it, but be it till you become it, you know? Mm -hmm. It's like everybody can become it. Like there's people right now that are less, you know, intelligent, less, uh, you know, skilled, less qualified that are living your dream. And they were just not scared to make the call and be that human. And they just conquered that fear. It's, it's fascinating. Oh, I talked to so many friends and colleagues that are still, you know, they're either still in my hometown or they're here. They're like, how did you do it? I want to get a job and do this, or I want to start my own business. I'm like, do it. So many people are just, their fear blocks their whole life because they're afraid to just jump and do. You have to go two feet first and jump a hundred percent. You can't dip the toe in. You got to go for it. Otherwise you'll never know. And if you fail, you fail. I failed a thousand times. And that's what's made me successful because I'm not afraid to jump. Toe dippers, baby. Well, it's, it's being scared and you can't be scared. Yeah. I, but like when you're looking at that, because you know when you're having these conversations with these massive influencers and stuff, I think that because of social media and because of how the world works, it paints this picture that a lot of times 
the end product doesn't meet up to the picture, right? Like you meet somebody that has 5 million followers and you just assume that everything they touch turns to gold. And it's like, you're like almost like, <gasps> like it's this person. But then when you have a conversation with them, they're just people, you know, they're just normal people. Yes. And they're always looking at, well, this person has 10 million followers or the they're always looking at someone else. And even though you may think they're amazing, they sometimes don't think they are themselves because they're looking ahead and you got to be present and know your worth at your value at that time, whether it's social media followers or career and be okay with that because wherever you're at is a good place. And you can't, you can't look in the future. You can't look in the past. You have to be present and just hustle every day. And then you'll look back in a year, two years, five years and be like, whoa, look at the transformation. <laughs> what do you think was like your biggest win during that come up with Simply? Like what was like that one defining moment or that one client that you felt like really shifted the tide for you? Um, it's a good question. So with the conference, I remember our first really big sponsor um, was Dove. And I was like, okay, it's, I think it's a P&G brand. They spent a lot of money with us. I'm like, okay, fine. And that was a few years in of me hustling every single day. And finally they signed on with our largest sponsorship we've ever seen. And I remember that was kind of my like pat on the back, like you did it, you're good. Um, now just keep going from here. In terms of talent, I remember um, Jamie Chung was one of our first in, like celebrity influencers. and she was amazing and she had one of the most popular celebrity blogs called What the Chung. And that was in the very, very beginning. And we worked together really closely on that. And through me working with her, it opened up so many other doors for other celebrities because they're like, wow, Jamie's site looks amazing. Her content's great. She's getting all these deals. Who's she working with? And kind of, you know, either she would introduce me or I would um, tell people that I was working with her. So that was, that was a big door opener for us. Um, and let's see, those were the two in terms of like brand and celebrity. Um, and I remember Dubai was a big moment too, when we did simply Dubai, simply Dubai. Tell me. Yeah. So we had a partner, um, that was middle East based and their client was the mall of the Emirates and they came to us and they were like, can you bring this concept to Dubai? And I was like, sure. I don't <laughs> about Dubai, but I think that would be a great market. And, you know, there are a couple years behind us in terms of influencer marketing. So we, they essentially licensed the Simply brand and we went there three or four years and did a huge conference at the Mall of the Emirates and um, the big hotel there. And we were like in advertising throughout the city. It was crazy and very surreal when we landed in Dubai you know, that took the Emirates flight with all of our celebrities that we brought for the panel in, you know, business class, the champagne. I was like, is this real life? And then we land and it's just simply ads all over the streets. I mean, we, it was everywhere and I was in shock, um, but it was really, really cool. And then throughout the whole mall, which is one of the largest in the world, it was just our ads all over the mall. Damn. Wow. That yeah. must have, that, that's just a jaw drop. And that's like one of those moments like you're like, you're just taking mental flashes. You're like, all your girls are here. And the thing is, is you love your clients. Like you love your people. Like you love your oh, yeah. And that's and, I and, would travel the world with them. That's, that's the beauty of it. Like I will not work with a talent that I would not go on a trip with. 
because it's all about that relationship and life is short. I'm a mom now. I don't have time for anything that is going to suck the life out of me. And I've let go of clients for that reason. And, you know, life is short. So I agree. Yeah, it's awesome to be in Dubai with my event that I created with talent that I love. And we go on, you know, the safaris together and just have a great time. You're, I'm just, I feel so blessed all around. Cool. And you manifested that from start to finish. I like to think so. <laughs> right. <laughs> but it's cool because like you get that attitude, you build it because you have so much at bats. Eventually you can recognize those, those time wasters. Right. And like yeah. how many people right now are we speaking to inside of our businesses for everybody listening that we're spending 80% of our time when they're producing 5% of the results. It's like it, that, always. you know, it's, it's so tough because people are inherently good. You don't want to be rude. You don't want to be like be aggressive. But the reality is, is, you know, you should be spending 80% of your time with your top 20% income earners or people that are making moves, whether that's the influencers themselves and cut yeah. the slack. If somebody's on your team's not working well, you got to cut the slack early, you know, yeah. hire slow, fire fast, the whole philosophy. I agree with that. And now with my new role at Socialite, you know, I used to be involved in everything because it was my business. Um, from like the influencers we hired to speak on our panels to the event planning to the talent and I couldn't be involved in everything and do a good job so now my role is you know when we got acquired they're like what what do you love doing I'm like I love just being out and meeting people and being at conferences and speaking at trade shows and and meeting new people and uh working with our talent and like top level and they're like great Let's make this your role. I was like, what? I don't have to deal with accounting. I don't have to deal with legal. It's honestly, my role is partnerships. So being and, you know, speaking at different trade shows and conferences, walking the floor, meeting new relationships, bringing in new talent, working with our talent on the celebrity side, um, partnerships, so like strategic partnerships with the business, which is honestly my passion. And I feel like it's not even work. So that is really awesome to be to be able to have that sort of role um, because it is an, a very important part of the business and it's a certain personality. Some people, you could give that role to them and they would hate it. It's my passion and I love doing that. So I think it's finding the right roles for people also um, that showcase their strong suits and not putting them in a role that sets them up for failure. Right, right. If I'm sitting in front of a computer all day with all these details and numbers, I can't. I, I need to be social. I need to be out and about. I want to bring in the business and pass it off to the person that can do all the details. Because I'm, I'm one of those like bigger picture out, you know, social butterfly kind of people. Love it. I'm the same way. I, it's like you judge the whole, you judge a fish by the way, it can climb a tree. It's going to be a pretty dumb fish, you know? Yes. It's it, like so many of us right now are in that position though. When you get to the point when you are doing everything, because ultimately when you start, you have to do everything. And then you can learn a little bit about everything. And then that day that you kind of start outsourcing that, those parts that don't make sense, and you just incrementally relieve huge pressures off your brain. I feel like that is the, the second level of true entrepreneurship, right? Like number one, build it yourself, go hustle, do your thing. But number two, release the pressure, build the team, scale the team, find people that are better than you, that believe in the mission, 
and be yep. focused on providing, you know, kind of the North star of where things are heading. Absolutely. Yeah. You have it's good a- analogies. <laughs> <laughs> the podcast world, right? You just speak to great humans and just, like, uh-huh. I mean, you've already taught me so much. Like I, I think everybody needs to, to do what you're doing and connect with people and network with people just to realize what's real and what's not real, you know, like, cause we create these fictitious ideas of how things are, but that's just not really how they are, you know? Yeah, no, we, we, since quarantine, we just started a series on the Simply Instagram called Simply Work From Home Coffee Break. That was something we created because I was like, I need to connect with people. So every, uh, we do it two days a week and it's female entrepreneurs, stylists, influencers. And I remember some like Allie Webb, for instance, she was one of my interviews who created Dry Bar and Squeeze. And she's been someone I've looked up to for years. And, you know, you have her up on this uh, untouchable kind of place. She was on the shark tank as a shark. And I met her and I'm like, can we be best friends? Because we are so on the same page. You're so down to earth. You're so cool. It's just nice to see that side of people. Yeah. Getting that bird's eye view, right? Of like, what's it like from their perspective? You're like, oh, okay. I don't need to become this iron man human that I thought I had to be like, I could, I could settle for like one tenth Thor, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so with the influencer marketing world and building this out, I mean, I'm sure there's hundreds of thousands of different influencer brands that are doing something somewhat similar to you. Is there something that you found that's kind of helped you uh, kind of defer yourself from everybody else, like certain strategies or certain ways you're thinking that are kind of putting you one step above maybe the other brands that are doing something similar? Um, in terms of what, simply the events or like social? It, it, yeah, sorry about that. I should have prefaced Socialite. I'm thinking about Socialite at this point. Okay. Yeah. So with Socialite, I mean, for the talent perspective, we're different from a lot of the other agencies in that if you have a talent manager, they're not the only ones pitching you for projects. Um, a lot of traditional talent agencies, it's only your talent manager responsible for all the pitching. At Socialite, we have, I think it's like 15 talent managers. They're all pitching all of the talent because if someone's working with a brand, why not pitch someone that might not be on your exact roster, but could be a fit for the project. So you not only get your talent manager pitching, you get all the talent managers. And then we also have a brand partnership side, which is our team that works with brands on strategy. So you also get that side of the business pitching you as well. So you're getting kind of your name thrown in the hat for all the opportunities that come up. Um, And we also built our own technology uh, called Insight that helps, uh, you know, with brand strategy and helps kind of get your name out there and, and, uh, it's been a labor of love to build this technology, but it's been so great for us and efficiencies and for pitching because it creates um, their entire, uh, like their following and their bio and all of these sort of information. And it sends it right to the brands and it's constantly updated because um, it's synced to their social media. So having you know data like that is really important for brands to see it at a quick snapshot when they're being pitched so many different talents. So, um, that must've been, that must've been like a hard pill to swallow when you realize how much money it costs to build something like that. I don't even know the total, but I can't imagine it's cheap. (laughs) It's so interesting. That whole world, like when you start just changing little, little features, 
it's like when people build a blog, they're like, I want to add this, 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 this. And they realize like, if you're not building it yourself, you're adding five, 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 five. Before you know it, you have a $60,000 thing that you're working on. And you're like, you're like, no, I was trying to do this for a thousand bucks. No, no, no. Like that technology is not, is so complicated. So it's like, at what point in your business do you invest in that before you, you know, because so many companies start and they try to scale out tech and it almost brings them down because they flood too much resources into it, you know? Yeah. Well, in the past we were paying for this service and paying for that service and, and we took all, all of the numbers and we're like, well, why don't we just build it on our own and make it exactly what we want? Because every service we were paying all this money for didn't do everything that we needed. So you know, if you, you just consolidate and build it on your own, you can build it exactly how you want it. Do you sell that to other people? Is that something that you license out? Is that like a SaaS product or just internal usage? Not right now. No, just internal usage. So uh, it's for all of our network talent and exclusive talent to opt into so we can sell them better. Could that be like, if you wanted to, like, could that be a standalone product? I'm sure it could once it's perfect. Once it's perfect. Okay, cool. That's cool. It's cool when you get, I mean, SaaS is obviously like so cool that once you build a platform that works, it's just, there's no overhead at that point. Yeah. And I see how much these other companies are charging. It's crazy. So crazy. Yeah. It's crazy what people get away with charging too. People buy it, you know? Yeah. Value is definitely calculated based on expensiveness too. It's like yeah. the, Louis, the Louis Vuitton example is the most key in the, in, the, in the planet, right? He's the richest. I think he's like the richest guy beside Be- Bezos. The really? guy who, who owns Louis Vuitton and all those brands. Mm-hmm. I, or he's top three. Too, you know, like there's this celebrity with 20 million followers, but her engagement rate is nothing and her sell through is nothing, but she can charge six figures for a post, but then there's this other girl that has a million followers and she sells so much product, so much engagement, and she can only charge 10,000. So it's, it's all, you know, is it brand alignment? Is it conversions? Like what is the brand looking to achieve? And if they just want to align with that big celebrity name, you're paying premium. Yeah. And the numbers don't always share the story of influence. And that's just what you mentioned. Right. So like you can have 50 million followers. I mean, that's 50, like you can have a <laughs> decade, multiple tens of, fo- of millions of followers and only sell 50,000 units of something. But then you have mm-hmm. that person that only has 100,000 followers, but they have 75,000 real followers. And those right. humans will buy anything that they, they talk about and finding those gems and finding that engagement. I mean, that seems like to be like the money spot when it comes to this stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. We, um, we, since quarantine, have kind of been really looking at our roster and looking at what brands are booking. And especially now, you know, budgets are, brands are getting smarter. It's, it's all conversion based. Um, a lot of the brands really want to see like, what will I sell? And the days are a little bit gone of, of like, let's just post for brand awareness. They want to sell a product. So we've kind of split our talent roster into people that are strong converters versus people that kind of, you know, they have beautiful content. It could be an ad in Vogue. So I think those are kind of the two types of influencers that brands are looking to book um, because they do need beautiful content. 
but also they want to sell products. So if you can kind of diversify your campaign and have a little bit of both, I think that a brand will be winning if they, they do that. Very cool. That was great advice. Thank you for sharing with that. If you, if you could look back in this decade plus adventure of you, of you building these brands, building this whole, and you're just getting started, which is really exciting. I mean, you're, you're still so young. You're still so full of energy. I mean, I'm sure you have a hundred different things you want to do and, and build and, and just continue. But if you could go back in time and sort of say, maybe like, I don't know, post when most people would graduate college and, and the today Sarah could talk to the old school Sarah and just be like, listen up, girl, you know, if you could say one, two or three things that might have just saved you, that if you implemented would have saved you a ton of time, money, heartache, you know, headache, just overall stress. What do you think some of those things that you would have probably told yourself? Uh, when I was starting my business, I probably would have said, spend the money and make sure you invest in the right things. I was so scared to invest in an office, invest in employees, because I was, I was scared that, you know, tomorrow the company is going to go under. So living in fear, um, in those ways, I would have definitely invested. Like I remember our first event, I look back and the production was horrible. But if I would have invested a little bit more, it could have been really beautiful and, you know, that sort of thing. So I think that's one thing. Um, another thing, I probably would have paid attention a little bit more in college and my business classes and those sort of things. So I didn't have to learn everything when I started. Um, I did go, a little tip for everyone is I did go to the Small Business Association when I first started. I went there every week. It's a free resource for business owners, for small businesses, because they want to build businesses in California or whatever state you're in. It's free. So the poor guy, he's probably like, okay, you don't need to be here every week, but sure. But it was my, my way of, you know, when you're working for yourself, you need someone to kind of hold you accountable and, and be on top of you. So that was my weekly meeting that was for free with this fantastic advisor. So that was really good. Um, and then third, I would say, um, get the right team on board, um, partner with the right people. It's okay to give up equity or um, give up some of your money to have the right people fully on board. So that was kind of in the beginning, I didn't want to give up anything. So I kept holding it tight. But if I would have partnered with maybe another event company or partnered with a agency, I could have grown a lot faster. Interesting. That's really, that's cool. You, you bring that getting on the right team. I mean, that's something that cripples businesses or crushes business, right? Like giving that equity or giving that, that ownership to somebody that just might not be aligned and right. then not putting the proper terms to put safeguards in place to ensure that, you know, this is the right decision. I feel like that's one of the quickest mistakes founders make. And that's so cool. You went to the small business association. Good for you. You know, you find this free resource that's available to anybody and you're like, just going on a clockwork basis. Like I can't pay, I can't pay for a mentorship. So I'm going to be here. It's like your church, you know? Yeah. He, he got to the point where he's like, you're doing pretty good. I don't know if you need me. Cause I would like share all, Oh, I got this sponsor and this is happening. And he's like, you're good. I think you know what you're doing. I think you just need to like go and do it. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> 
<laughs> but, but like your like your consistency with that probably built such a unique relationship with that gentleman that he probably like took a special liking to you and just helped you in any way shape or form and then that probably opened more doors yeah yeah it was great i did that for a few months for sure in the very beginning it's lonely when you start a business that's so cool though like and this is before your baby oh yeah i started the business in 2011 yeah nice and then i had her in 2016 cool Mm -hmm. what are you what are you doing when you're not like hustling and, and working are you based in la i am but right now i'm in lake arrowhead we have a house up here and we came we thought for the weekend when quarantine started and here we are nine weeks later nice in la i've got you know our fa family is usually what i'm doing when we're not working um i've got my husband my daughter and then two stepsons that are 15 and 19 so we've got quite the fam and um honestly i just like to relax when i'm not working and enjoy and slow down slow down yeah that's the tough like we just spoke to the sleep expert beforehand how this girl named tara youngblood she's like built this whole technology based that helps you sleep so it's like she has like these blankets that are self-regulated with temperature control that you're like sleeping on a cold blanket or in like it changes as the night goes. I didn't even know that technology existed, but it's just, it's just wild. The point is, is that she was saying like after like decades of just research, simply taking one minute to breathe seven times a day, like it could be after you go to the bathroom, or whatever, just like, like not full fledged meditation, but just filling your body with oxygen seven times a day does wonders to your sleep and your overall stress throughout the day. I found that fascinating. Yeah. But we all are so stressed out, we forget to breathe. Totally. And then like, even if we de-stress that night, we're still stressed from earlier. So it's like, right. And then the most of the time we're so stressed and we shouldn't be stressed. Like it's fake stress. It's like we relive the anxiety of potential failure in our brains. Like you're about to do a podcast with Sarah, or you're about to go pitch you know, nylon and selling your entire business and you're just thinking in your head, what are they going to say? What are they going to do? You're replaying it and you have this anxiety and this sort of fear ball. And then when you get in, it all releases once you just start because you realize I'm just going to go through this and I'm going to be prepared and do the best I can, you know? Exactly. Yeah, it's so true. And I, I was always that girl in my friend group, you know, like, how do you just do that? How do you just go up and talk to that person or you do this or you ask for this. I don't know. It's just always kind of been my personality. And, you know, I have a lot of friends that have massive anxiety and, and they're like, that's such a daunting task. How could you do that? I'm like, my life motto has always been, don't sweat the small stuff. Just go for it and do it with a smile. Don't sweat the small stuff. Just go for it. Do it with a smile. That's the motto. Let's freaking go. Now, yeah. <laughs> if, if there was one thing that you could say to the listeners right now that are right on the cusp of jumping into entrepreneurship for the first time or jumping into building that blog, you know, what would be that, that maybe one crucial tip to kind of tip them over, uh, maybe their, their inner doubt. Um, do it because someone else is going to, and then you're going to be really upset when you see someone else doing what your dream is. Follow your passion. You live once. If this coronavirus has taught us anything, it's live your passion. 
I love it. Sarah Boyd, the legend. This has been so much fun. I appreciate you so much. I'm in Santa Monica. So once things get normal, we got to, I would love to link up. That'd be fantastic. Yeah. Um, besides that, how can people follow you, continue the journey, maybe learn more about your companies? Yeah. Uh, I, probably the best way is Instagram. My Instagram is Sarah P. Boyd and Simply this is just simply and socialite is S O C I A L Y T E. Um, so follow along and, and join us in our journey. I love it. All right. Till next time. We appreciate you on behalf of the Len Jones party of two podcast. This has been fun. Hopefully there's round two one day. Thank you. Awesome. Take care. Thank you for listening to another episode of Len Jones party of two. If you enjoyed it, please leave us a review and subscribe to stay up to date on our new episodes. And remember, hope is not a strategy. Keep making moves. Till next time, peace.